In gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. Please pray with me. Dear God in heaven, we ask you as we do week by week to be here with us this morning and we trust that you are here in our midst. May my words be your words and all of our thoughts, your thoughts. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. If you'll recall, last week we read and interpreted what seemed on the face of it to be a very frustrating parable. Jesus tells the parable of the sower and compares people to seed sown on various kinds of soil, seeming to consign them to life on the soil onto which they've been sown. And as we talked about in the story, he doesn't seem on the surface to have much good news for people sown on rocky ground or on the path or among thorns. There is good news in that story, though, which is that but for Jesus's miraculous intervention, we would all be those people. The seeds sown on good soil are the ones who hear the word about Jesus Christ, understand their need, and accept him as their savior. And as we find in Matthew 13, Jesus is still in an agricultural mood. He's not done yet. He goes right into another plant parable for the people. A man, he teaches, sows good seeds in his field, but while he's sleeping, An enemy comes and sows a bunch of weeds in among the wheat. And as the plants grow up, the man's servants notice and come and see him. What happened, boss? I thought you sowed good seeds in this field. It's riddled with weeds. Where did they come from? And the man answers simply, an enemy has done this. Well, the servants say, do you want us to go clean the weeds out of the field? And the man says, no, if you do that, you'll accidentally pull up a bunch of wheat too. just leave it until the harvest time. And then my reapers will pull all of it out and take care of the separation weeds into the fire and wheat into my barn. Now, thankfully, in addition to being in an agricultural mood, Jesus is also in an explaining mood, just like he explained The parable of the sower last week, he explains the parable of the wheat and the weeds to us as well. This is one of those rare parables where all the various parts of the story equate to something specific. These one-to-one parables are actually not all that common. Normally, Jesus is telling general stories to make an overarching point. But in this one, everything in the story stands for something else, and Jesus himself gives us the explanation. The Son of Man, Jesus, is the sower. The field is the world. The wheat is the children of the kingdom. The enemy is the devil. The weeds are his children. And the harvest is the end of the world. The reapers are angels. The barn and the fire are heaven and hell. My friend, Chad Bird, who, by the way, mark your calendars, is going to be our fall retreat speaker in October. Chad points out that there's one thing in the parable 
that doesn't get a parallel. One thing that Jesus doesn't explain. It's the slaves, the servants of the master, the ones who come in from the field wondering why it's full of weeds and then offering to clean it out. Who are they? Well, Chad suggests that the fact that we don't get an interpretation for those characters is an invitation to put ourselves in that place. These are the people to whom Jesus is speaking. This is us. And it makes sense, doesn't it? Aren't they saying the exact kinds of things we say? God, what's going on in your world? I thought you were good, but look what's happening. What's the deal with all the sin and corruption? The field is infested. And then we make God an offer. Want us to clean up around here? We can help make everything right again. And this is the point at which Jesus' story becomes infuriating just like the parable of the sowers, especially to us and the role that we play. God's responses to his servants are just so unsatisfying. We say, God, what's the deal with all the sin and corruption? The response, an enemy has done this. Okay, well, do you want us to get to work separating the wheat from the weeds, cleaning things up? We're happy to do it. And the response is, No, let them grow up together. Okay, well, for how long? Oh, just until the end of time. Until the end of the world. This is the way that things are going to be in God's field. In the world. Until the end of time. That's just... The way things are? Not again. Isn't that the question we asked ourselves that last week with the parable of the sower? The frustration was the seeming consignment of certain seeds, certain people to their certain fates. And here in the parable of the wheat and the weeds, it's that the world is a broken place infested with weeds. And we're not going to be able to fix it. Now, listen. Our calling is still in place. We are called, as the prophet Micah says, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. We are still recipients of the great commandment and the great commission called to make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has taught us. We are called to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul and mind and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves, these things done together will no doubt and absolutely have an impact on the world. Just look at the church through history and consider what the world might be if the church hadn't existed. So we should be and will be about these things. But also, look out the window. Wheat, and weeds growing up together, murder, lust, hatred, godlessness. This parable is God telling us the truth. You won't be able to fix the world. Now that's, 
That's bad news. But as with all of God's stories, the bad news is never the last news. The full story is you won't be able to fix the world. I'll take care of it. This is the good news of this parable. God's announcement that we are not the saviors of the world, but that he is. See, we are inclined to think that we should begin the work of weed eradication. Because we think that we are able to discern right from wrong, good from evil. Surely we think God can leave the separating work to us. But we've been crippled on that score since we ate the fruit in the garden. Thank God that this work is left to God himself, carried out by his angels at his direction at the end of time. We think we can tell the difference, right? Good from evil, righteous from sinner. Everyone thinks this. The Jews thought that they were pure and that the nations were evil, but their prophets told them that they were wrong. They were just as impure as the nations. At the time of the Reformation, both Protestants and Catholics thought that they were right and righteous even as they killed each other by the thousands. And today, we assume we can tell privileged from underprivileged, oppressed from oppressor. We think we can tell the difference, but that's not the way that God sees it. The implication of this parable is that we're not very good at telling wheat from weeds. You know what the sower says? Don't try to pull any weeds. You can't really tell the difference. You're going to pull up a bunch of good plants at the same time. Let me give you a couple of other illustrations from Scripture. In Luke chapter 13, Jesus describes a dinner at which the door has been closed. And people come and knock, expecting to be on the guest list. But the master of the house says, I don't know you. And the people protest that they've been right there in town all along. And then to their shock, people start coming from the north and the south and the east and the west. In other words, people not even from around here. And they show up and go into the party. We're not very good at knowing who's in and who's out. Thank God that we're not the saviors of the world. He is. In Matthew 25, Jesus has an illustration of the Lord separating sheep from the goats at the final judgment, and both groups are surprised. Lord, when did we ignore you? Say the ones going off into the fire. Lord, when did we help you? Say the ones being saved. We're not very good at knowing who's in and who's out. Thank God that we're not the saviors of the world. He is. For all our attempts to distinguish wheat from weeds, good people from evil, it turns out that, as Alexander Solzhenitsyn said, the line between good and evil passes right through every human heart. We would all be weeds, but for Jesus' miraculous intervention. Thank God that we are not the saviors of the world. He is. Of course, 
It makes sense that we would want to fix the world. We can see how broken it is. We have a vision like John has in Revelation 7 of how things ought to be. A single worshiping community made up of people from every tongue, tribe, and nation, all singing praises to the Lord, all washed and identical white in the blood of the Lamb. We pray this every week. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want to create that perfect worshiping community, but we don't have it in ourselves to accomplish it. But God has good news. And it's right here in this story. I'll take care of it. I am the Redeemer. Jesus is my rescue mission. Leave it to me. So, though this parable threatens to be another this is just the way things are story, we can see that there is good news here too. Even though the wheat is going to grow up in a weedy world, there is good news here. And surprise, surprise, it's the same good news as last week. Actually, it should be no surprise. Uh, This story comes immediately after last week's story in Scripture. And of course, it's not just the good news from last week. It's the good news from week after week after week. It is the very gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news is that we don't have to be the saviors creating a perfect world by pulling out all the weeds. The good news is that we have a savior who is not us. It's the same good announcement as last week too, John 16:33, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. This world is infested with weeds sown by the evil one. But take heart. Jesus has overcome the world. We can't, by our work, create the totally unified worshiping community we see in Revelation 7. A feast attended by people from every direction. A field of pure wheat praising the name of the Father. Only Jesus can make that happen. And John's vision is a promise that he will. That's what's going to happen. And Jesus is creating it, even now. So even though we can't create that community, we can sing their song. The song they sing around the throne of the Lamb, telling people about the God who created the world and the God who came to save it. We sing this song every day. Salvation belongs to our God who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb. We sing that song here at church. We sing it in our families. We sing it at work. We sing it in our relationships. We tell anyone and everyone the good news about Jesus Christ. That though we can't be the saviors of the world, we can announce that that salvation has come. Salvation belongs to our God who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb. Salvation doesn't belong to us. Salvation belongs only to Jesus, but he promises 
that his saving work is accomplished right now for you. Amen.